0: Let's pray. Heavenly Father, your word endures forever. Pray that we would be people who believe and trust your word of salvation. Amen. In our chapter this evening in Isaiah, uh, it is a word of comfort. A comfort in a world spoiled by death. Uh, This year we've seen ongoing conflict in Ukraine, conflict in Gaza, new COVID variants, earthquakes in Turkey, the Philippines... Bushfires in Queensland. We've seen the death of Tim Keller, Matthew Perry, Bill Hayden, Henry Kissinger. Closer to home, there's been bad news from the doctors more scans, more surgeries, more funerals here at St Edmunds. Death spoils everything. Recently, I've been speaking with a few people at the morning service, and they share with me how most of the time they see all their friends are at funerals. And one of them commented, it's a bit eerie heading home, not knowing who's going to be absent at the next one. What comfort is there for us as we march towards our graves? That was the situation of Isaiah's readers all those years ago. God's people were heading into exile. The death of the nation had just been confirmed. It was the end of God's people. At least it looked like that. Booted out of the land of promise, cut off from the presence of God, handed over to the nations. Humanly speaking, it was all over. And Isaiah's purpose in this chapter is to provide comfort, comfort for those facing exile, facing death. And it's not empty platitudes or wishful thinking. Uh, It's a hope that is more solid than the ground we stand on. My friend, he calls passages like this handlebars of hope. And my prayer is that we'll leave this evening comforted, in the face of death, because Isaiah is going to give us handlebars of hope to hold on to. Handlebars made possible by that very first Christmas. And so our first of two points this evening, look down with me, verses one to five, take comfort, the Lord is coming. Take comfort, the Lord is coming. Comfort, comfort, my people, says your God, speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed that her sin has been paid for. She has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Uh, Like a parent soothing a child, God is comforting his people. Her hard service has been ended. Her sins have been paid for. But what's happened? Well, in chapter 39, in a moment of stupidity, the king in Jerusalem decides to open wide the city gates and invite the Babylonian consort to come and see all their treasures, all the gold all the silver and everything that they have. Isaiah, with his hands on his head, comes to him and says, verse 5 of chapter 39, Hear the word of the Lord Almighty. The time will surely come when everything in your palace and all that your predecessors have stored up until this day will be carried off to Babylon. Nothing will be left, says the Lord. It's never a good idea to show a growing superpower how resource-rich You are, God has spoken, Babylon is coming, the nation is going to die as they head east into exile. But a few verses later, it looks like there's life after exile, life after death. Her hard service has been completed. Her sin has been paid for. The Babylonian exile, it wasn't a random historical event. Like all of history, it was planned and purposed by the God who rules history. The nation was to die for their disobedience, cut off from God, their land. And time and time again, they'd been warned. But enough was enough. Prophet after prophet had been sent. Turn back. Repent. We don't have to do this the hard way. Isaiah had been preaching for 50 years. Come on, let's do right. But they would rejected the God who had promised life. And so God gave them over to what they deserve. But now, even before this exile has happened, there's comfort. Her hard service has been completed. Their death sentence is overturned. Somehow, their sin has been paid for. It's not going to be forever, says your God. Take comfort. There is life after exile. There will be life after death. And they get more details of their certain future in verse 3. A voice of one calling. In the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley will be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, and the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. It's time to build a highway, says God. Call in the bulldozers, the graders, the dump trucks. It's time to move some. Valleys will be raised up, mountains. Will be cut down to size, the desert will be flattened out, rugged places made plain. It's a highway, but it's also a red carpet because a very significant individual is coming to town. Prepare the way for the Lord. Verse 5 And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. What comfort is this to Isaiah's readers? Well, as God comes, somehow their death sentence will be revoked. Everyone will see the glory of the Lord. Sure, Babylon are going to come and they're going to come to Jerusalem and reduce it to dust. And they will drag God's people kicking and screaming east into exile. But take comfort because when God comes, Babylon will be humbled. They'll be flattened like the mountains and they will see the glory of the Lord. God's people's sin will be paid for. Babylon will be crushed. And instead of death, there will be life. The exile that they deserve, it's going to end. God is going to come. This is not empty platitudes or wishful thinking. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. If there's anything that the book of Isaiah teaches us, it's that when God says something, it happens. We can trust him. Comfort, comfort, my people, says your God. I've spoken a word of comfort. You're going into exile because of your sin, but take comfort. I will pull you out the other side and I will make sure that Babylon get their comeuppance. In the second half of our passage, we get a touch of colour on what this rescue mission looks like. Uh, Verses 6 to 11, he is coming to save. He is coming to save. Uh, Verse 6, a voice cries out. Uh, despondent, Isaiah cries, What shall I cry? All people are like grass, and all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. Looking around, Isaiah is loosening his grip on these handlebars. We are like grass, he says. We are like flowers in the field. Our faithfulness. It comes and it goes. The grass withers, the flowers fall. We arrived back in Perth in June from a bit of time in the UK. Jogging around the suburbs, there was green grass everywhere. Uh, Jogging around now, brown, or at least going brown, and there is still a lot of summer to go. That's us, cries Isaiah, as he looks around at God's people. That's our faithfulness. We do all right one day, mess up the next. We cannot pull off a consistent season of obedience to God. Isaiah knows the human heart, he knows it's faithlessness, it's fickle, it's futile. Isaiah knows that their exile, their death, is what the nation deserves. We are like grass, he cries, we wither and we fall. Humanly speaking, it's all over. Uh, My secular friends tell me that death is just a natural process. Uh, The Bible says there is nothing natural about death. Death is a great evil. The great evil, far worse than Babylonian exile. Death is the consequence of living in a world under the judgment of God. It's not natural. It's why it hurts so much when we lose loved ones. It's not meant to be. We were made to live with God forever. But the fickle and faithless human heart ruined that. Death is God's judgment on a world that has turned their back on him. Look at verse 7. The grass withers and the flowers fall. Why? Because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Death is not a purely natural phenomenon. It is the breath of the Lord that causes grass to wither and flowers to fall. It is the Lord who gives life. It is the Lord who takes life. He is the potter. We are the clay. Now, we need to be very careful. We cannot draw always a direct line from a particular sin to someone's death. But death in general is God's curse on the world. He will not let a faithless humanity who've turned their backs on him decided to rebel, to live forever. And so the breath of the Lord blows. We are but withering grass. And that should be it. But the Lord steps in, verse 8. Yes, Isaiah, you're right. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. God's word endures forever. The same breath that takes life, can he not also give it? God's word of salvation endures forever. If God says there's life on the other side of exile, there's one thing God's people can be certain of. There's life on the other side of exile. If God says there is life after the grave, there is one thing we can be certain of. There is life after the grave. You can beat death. Death does not have to be the end. Just like exile wasn't their end, death does not have to be our end. Because Christmas is coming. God is coming to save. Verses 9 to 11, here is the good news. A gospel, the gospel... Read with me, you who bring good news to Zion. Go up on a mountain, you who bring good news to Jerusalem. Lift up your voice with a shout, lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and he carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those. That have young. What comfort is this to them as they face exile and judgment? What comfort is this for us as we face death? That very first Christmas, 2,000 years ago, it was when the Lord's mighty arm came to rule and rescue his people. He is your God. See the sovereign Lord's power ruling with a mighty arm. That's who the wise man saw when they arrived in the stables at Bethlehem. Here is your God. That's who Mary nursed at the stable. See the sovereign Lord come with power. And that's who Anna and Simeon were waiting for in the temple. The rule of God's mighty arm, bringing reward and recompense. This is the gospel. Massive news. Christmas is coming. Behold your God. Jesus has come. He's come to save and he's come to put things right. He's come to drag his people through death and bring them safely out the other end. With the arrival of Jesus at that very first Christmas, God himself has come to rule as king and to rescue as shepherd. What could be more comforting for us this Advent? Death doesn't have to win. Death doesn't have to be the last laugh like a thread attached to a needle. As Jesus punches through the cloth of death, for those who trust in him, he drags us with him. By undoing the curse of sin and death, by defeating sin and death forever, Jesus has come to take us home. He'll gather us up, carry us close to his heart. This is real comfort, a handlebar of hope. For loved ones we know who have died knowing Jesus, we can take comfort the shepherd has carried them in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He's taken them home. And for now we weep because they can't be close to ours, but we take comfort because we know they are close to his. In this Advent, even you and me, we can stare at death, the icy cold waters of death in the face. And by faith, trusting in the strength that God supplies, we can grip tight to the handlebars of hope made possible by that very first Christmas. Trust the promise that God has come to defeat death and carry us home. That's the hope of Christmas. The arrival of God coming at Christmas is our only hope, is our only comfort. Good medical care can relieve the pain. It can give us a few extra years. Only God can get us safely out the other end. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Christmas has come. God has come to save. The grass withers, the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the promise of Jesus, of life eternal. pray that we would cling tight to this gospel this Christmas. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, as a-